Luke chapter number 2 in your Bibles this morning. And I thank God for the opportunity and the privilege to be in church this morning and to be with you all in Columbus, Ohio. Are there any Buckeyes fans in this place? Are there any West Virginia Mountaineer fans in the place? One. I'm a West Virginia Mountaineer fan. That's where I grew up. And so we're kind of close to you. My parents are, live about two hours from here in Charleston, West Virginia. And uh, we used to come up here to uh, see sunlight. And uh, I appreciate the opportunity to be here today. I thank God for your pastor and the staff and my, what all the Lord's doing here. And I'm looking forward to spending a couple of days with you and uh, seeing the Lord do something brand new in our lives. How many of you know we need revival? America's in bad shape, but I got news for you. The churches are in bad shape, and we need the Lord to do something powerful in this day and age in which we're living, and uh, we sure do need a touch from the Lord this morning. Uh, wouldn't it be wonderful if God started a nationwide revival right here from Columbus, Ohio, that would spread across, and I, I, it, it was never as important to me until I started having babies, and I got a little three-year-old uh, boy that's the most precious thing to me and uh, I want him to know what the real deal is and I want him to know what the power of God is and uh, we sure do need a fresh touch from the Lord. I know you don't know me and I don't know you. That could be a good thing, could be a bad thing, but I enjoy getting to meet new people and my, my hope and prayer is that we become good friends over the next couple of days and that the Lord would meet together and uh, we would feel his presence in this place. Luke chapter number 2 and verse number 41. Luke chapter 2 and verse number 41. The Bible says, Now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up to Jerusalem after the custom of the feast. And when they had fulfilled the days as they returned, the child Jesus tarried behind in Jerusalem, and Joseph and his mother knew not of it. But they, supposing him to have been in the company, went a day's journey, and they sought him among their kinsfolk and acquaintance. And when they found him not, they turned back again to Jerusalem, seeking him. And it came to pass that after three days they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the doctors, both hearing them and asking them questions. And all that heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. And when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said unto him, Son, why hast thou thus dealt with us? Behold, thy father and I have sought thee sorrowing. And he said unto them, How is it that ye sought me? Wished ye not that I must be about my father's business? And they understood not the saying which he spake unto them. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject unto them. But his mother kept all these sayings in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. Let's pray. Father God in heaven, Lord, we thank you. For time to pray, Lord, I thank you, God, for your goodness. Lord, I thank you, Lord, for this incredible church and its staff. And, Lord, the excitement that's here, uh, the growth that's here. And, Lord, I pray this morning that you would begin a spark that would stir a revival in our hearts. Lord, corporate revival must start with personal revival. 
And I pray, Lord, this morning that you would begin to do a work inside our hearts today. I pray, God, you'd begin to do a powerful, life-changing work. And I pray, God, if there's one in here that does not know you as their personal Savior, I pray you'd save them today. And I pray, God, if there's one discouraged, Lord, one that's sliding, I pray, Lord, you'd rescue them today and bring them back into the fold. Lord, we love you. We thank you. We give you praise, glory, and honor. For it's in Jesus' name we pray and all God's people said. In Luke chapter number 2, it's a very incredible chapter in the Bible because it is in Luke chapter 2 where we find the chronicle or the very beginning of the life of Jesus. It is Luke chapter 2 that I nearly have memorized in its, com- in, in its completeness because my grandmother would make us read Luke chapter 2 on Christmas Eve before we could open any Christmas present at all. I nearly have it memorized in my head. But Luke chapter 2 is that chapter that speaks about the birth of Jesus. And then it goes to, we, to it ends up with Jesus as a 12-year-old boy. But even as a 12-year-old boy, we find that there are principles and there are things about the life of Jesus that you and I can learn and apply to our lives and get great strength from in the book of Luke chapter number 2. I want to pick up in the life of Jesus when he's 12 years old in the verse number 41 where the Bible says that his parents went to Jerusalem every year to go to the feast. That Mary and Joseph go to the feast and while they're there they do everything they're supposed to do and they begin to travel home. They begin to go back only for them to get a day's journey back towards the house and for Mary to look at Joseph and say, where's Jesus? Now, if their home is anything like my home, Joseph probably would have looked at Mary and said, I thought you had him. But we find that as this thing goes on, that instantly within a, within a matter of a second, panic begins to ensue over Mary and Joseph as they realize that they have misplaced Jesus. She begins to panic. The Bible says that she begins to seek for Jesus among their kinfolk. I can see as Mary is running across that traveling brigade of all those people asking if anyone has seen Jesus. She is looking in this and looking in there and talking to this person and talking to that person. And nobody knows where Jesus is. You parents can relate to the sheer panic that goes over you when you don't know where your children are. And I see as they begin to panic wondering where God is. The Bible says that they turned back and went and found him. The Bible is not just a history book, but it's a book of application. And I believe the Holy Spirit put this in the Word of God for the reason that Mary and Joseph is not the only person or people that have went a day's journey without Jesus. All of us could maybe put our finger in Mary's face and say, How in the world could you misplace Jesus? But let's just be a little easy on Mary because I dare say we're all guilty of that at times. We're all guilty of misplacing God in our lives. Let's, let's unpack this story just a little bit. First of all, I want you to see about Mary and Joseph, number one, let's see, let's give, them, let's give them the benefit of the doubt. They were faithful in their religion. Verse 41 talks about that they went to the feast every year. 
Verse 43 comes back and says that when they had fulfilled the days. So we see first of all that they were there every time they were supposed to be there. And that they did everything they were supposed to do while they were there. These were not complacent people. These were faithful people that did everything they were supposed to do. Every time they were supposed to do it. They were faithful in their religion. But it's very possible to be faithful at what you're supposed to do. And be neglectful all at the same time. It's when we get to begin to minor on the majors and major on the minors. When we begin to be faithful in our religion but lacking in our relationship. And we find that Mary and Joseph may have been faithful in their religion. But they were neglectful at the very thing they were supposed to do. A picture of the American church of people. We have cloned a group of people in this generation that know how to work, they know how to dress, they know how to act, they know how to cloak and put a cloak around who they really are, but on the inside they're neglectful of the thing that's important. We we know how to come, we know how to live Monday through Friday and Saturday, but to come to church and cover it all up on our Sunday best and act like everything's all right. But how many of you know that God sees deeper than what Baptist folks see? God sees much deeper deeper than what we put on our facade and what we like to cover up. And we find that even though that Mary and Joseph were faithful, that they were neglectful, and I dare say that sitting in front of me and the person preaching to you this morning, we have all known what it's like to be faithful on the outside, do everything that the preacher asks us to do, to be busy, busy, busy. We're living in a rat race society, are we not? Have you ever looked and said there are not enough hours in the day? There, there, there's all these things going on. Church has got this and then the kids have ball games and then the kids have school and then you have work and you have all of these things. You, you All of these things and you say, I would never go an entire day without Jesus. I beg to differ with you. Have you ever woke up in the morning And the Spirit of God say, hey, come meet with me. Get to your secret place. Come speak to me. Go to your prayer closet. I have something for you today. Only for you to say, Lord Jesus, this bed's awful comfortable. Lord, this comforter feels pretty good. It's cold. And then you start bargaining with the Lord. Lord, as soon as I do get up, I'll, I'll get ready quick and I'll meet with you before I go to work. Am I the only one guilty in the house? And it goes from there and then all of a sudden you start getting texts where the boss wants you at work a little earlier. and So you start moving fast only to get in the car and realize that you did not meet with the Lord. You get to work, you get busy and you say, Lord... I'll sacrifice my lunch. I'll eat something from the snack machine and I'll meet with you during lunch. Only for lunch to get there and Brother Tony calls and says, Hey, won't you meet me at the Longhorn Steakhouse? I'll buy today. And you say, Yes. And you tell the Lord, Lord, I'll, I'll meet with you when I get back. I'll take my break and I'll. I'll meet with you only for you to get back. And you get so busy that you don't even remember your commitment. You get home and on the way home, the Holy Spirit said, I thought you was going to meet with me today. 
Oh, Lord, it was part of the plan all along. Really, I just misplaced it. I, as soon as I get home, I'm going to spend some time. You get home, you got kids attached to your legs. you got to fix supper. you got to do all of these different things. And then you tell the Lord, Lord, right before I go to bed, I'll meet with you. So you get in the bed, you turn Sports Center on, you watch the latest, or if you're like my wife, you watch the Kardashians for about 30 or 45 minutes. And then you go to open up your Bible and you say, okay, Lord, I'm going to give you the last moments of my day. And then for some reason, you're studying through the book of Leviticus. And you start to read, and the more you read, the tired you get. How many of y'all know you don't need uh, a sleep pill as long as you got a Bible at times? The Bible, man, some of them chapters will just put you... And you start reading, and all of a sudden, you have good intentions, and your Bible becomes your pillow. And you, sir, have went an entire day without Jesus. They were faithful in their religion. 2 Timothy 3 and 5 talks about a group of people that are having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof from such turn away. Luke chapter 10 talked about Martha and Mary where the Bible says that Martha and Mary were in there and in the middle of their activity Jesus walks in the room and when Jesus walks in the room we find that as Mary and Martha are so very busy that Mary falls to her knees and worships God but Mary is so busy, busy, busy she begins to do all of these things and Jesus says Martha, Martha you're cumbered about you're so busy Mary hath chosen that thing which is needful to fall at the feet of Jesus you want to know one thing I know about working on a church staff is that you can be busy, busy busy One of the easiest places for me to get out of sync in my relationship with the Lord is working for the Lord. Because I start thinking, well, I'm working for God. I'm doing all of these things for God. Surely that equates success in my relationship with the Lord. I travel and preach every night of my life. Lord, can't I get a break? Lord, Lord, I do all of these things. But let's be honest. What kind of a relationship would you have in your marriage if all you did was things for your spouse but never spent time with your spouse? Now, some of you women said that sounds like a good deal. But that wouldn't be much of a relationship, would it? Let me say this. God doesn't need you to work nearly as bad as you think he does. No, no, no. He, in six literal days, he, he made everything just with his word. He just spoke it. God, God doesn't need you and I to work for him near as much as we think he does. But what God does need is a very intimate relationship with him where we, where we walk with him and we talk with him and have a relationship with him like none other. That is what God desires. That's why God made mankind. He said, let everything that hath breath praise ye the Lord. He made mankind to worship him and to Fellowship him on a daily basis. Let me ask you this. When's the last time you fellowshiped with the Lord? But preacher, you don't understand. I'm so busy. I got so many things. Let me say this. If you're too busy to spend time with the Lord, you're busier than God designed you to be. 
1% of your day is 15 minutes. I wonder how many of you could say you give God 1% of your day. And we point our fingers at America and say America's in bad shape. But look where the church is. People that don't even give God 1% of their day. Mary and Joseph, they were faithful in their religion. But but look second, they were forgetful in their responsibilities. If we were to get Mary and to bring her through those doors and to interview Mary, the question would be asked out of this chapter, Mary, what is your one job? Paul said, this one thing I do. What is your one job that God let you be born to do? Mary, is your main job to go to that feast in Luke 2? Is your main job to fulfill everything in Luke chapter 2? Or is it to raise the Christ child? Mary would have to agree that her one job and destiny was to raise the Christ child. But in the middle of doing all of these minors, she missed out on the major. Forgetful in their responsibility. Revelations 2, 2 says, I know thy works and thy labor and thy patience and how thou canst not bear them which are evil and how thou hast tried them which say they are apostles and are not and hast found them liars and hast borne in patience and for my name's sake hast labored and hast not fainted. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee because thou hast left thy first love. Being forgetful can be a very dangerous thing. I have a problem with me, and that is that I have ADD, XYZ, all the above. I mean, I, I, I have the worst propensity to forget where I'm at, and I've always had that problem. My wife gets so mad at me at times, but I remember when we first got married. Me and Becky got married, and uh, we got married in November, and uh, I was working on staff at a church, didn't make hardly no money, and I that Valentine's Day, I I went to Walmart and brought three or four roses. It's about all I could afford. I, I got her three or four roses and took it to the hair shop where Becky does hair. And uh, I remember sitting those on her desk only to look around. And all those other girls that worked with her had these big bouquet of roses. And I thought, you know what? Next year, I'm going to be the man I'm going to get my wife the biggest set of roses you've ever seen. And I'm going to cash in on this deal. And I'm going to show them that Becky's got the best. You know, ain't ain't nobody going to beat me. And all year long, I kept putting it in my reminder. This is before we had Siri and an iPad and all this stuff to talk to you. And uh, all year long, I planned on, planned on, planned on that I'm going to get the biggest. If I got to buy three dozen roses, that's what I'm going to do to get her the biggest set of roses. And, you know, January creeped up. And I remember I, I kept thinking, I need to order these roses early. I need to be ahead of the ball. I need to order these roses early. And before I knew it, it was the week before Valentine's Day. And I still... Haven't ordered any roses. Uh, I woke up Sunday morning to go to the church, understanding that Valentine's Day is on Wednesday. And I began, I, I, have you ever woke up in a panic when you realize that you have forgotten something? And uh, I woke up that morning and realized I had forgotten it. And I remember thinking, it's okay, CT, breathe. Tomorrow's Monday morning. You can order it as soon as you wake up in the morning. 
It's good. I go to the church. I get my stuff done. We have a fantastic day in church. And uh, I have all of these plans. And my pastor that day, uh, before we left the church, said, CT, meet me at the church at 7.30 in the morning. We have to go to South Georgia for a conference this week. And I need you to drive me. And I remember thinking, preacher, (laughs) it's Valentine's Day. It's my first year of being married. I can't be gone. Cupid's going to be. I can't be gone on Valentine's Day. My preacher's old school. He said, boy, best thing I know to tell you to do is go get you a red suit and get in the van. We got to go to meeting. So I went to my wife. She's raised up in that thing. She knew how all that worked. And I said, baby, we'll do Valentine's Day on Thursday. She said, okay, honey, that'd be great. And so time went by, everything goes by, everything's fine. But my intentions were Monday morning to wake up and order the flowers. We got going Monday, got so busy doing all these other things that before I knew it, Brother Tony, Wednesday morning my eyes opened up in that little Hampton Inn where I was staying. And my heart begins to beat because I realize I, not only is she not going to get four cheap Walmart roses, but she ain't, she's not going to get any roses if something don't happen. It was a good time to pray that the Lord would come back on that day. I began to pray and fast, and I did, I did everything I knew to do. Benny Hinn, come on TV. I put my hand on the TV. Whatever I got to do to get some roses, it don't matter to me at this point. I'm, I'm panicking at a full blast. I've got to get some roses. I began to do everything I could do. I called my buddies. They went to Walmart. Walmart was out of roses. I I called every flower thing I could find. 1-800-Flowers. I did everything. It was too late. I began to panic. I said, oh no. I said, preacher, I got to go home. I got to find Becky some roses. He said, CT, Miss Janet in the church owns a flower store. Call her. She may have some. By this time, I'm panicking. I call. I said, Miss Janet, I said, I'm in a mess. I said, I have procrastinated. I have forgot to order my wife's flowers. I said, I need you to pull me out of this mess. Miss Janet said, preacher. She said, we've already sold all the roses. I said, you ain't, you ain't understanding what I'm saying. I said, I said, you may have sold them all. I said, but you probably ain't delivered them all yet. <laughs> I said, can't you let somebody else get divorced and keep my marriage together? I've got to have some roses. She said, preacher, they're all gone. In my desperation, I said, Miss Janet, does it have to be roses? I know now the answer is yes. I said, does it have to be roses? I said, can't you come up with something big and nice? She said, preacher, I'll do my best. I said, thank you. I looked at the preacher. I said, hey, got that one fixed. Everything's good. Everything's going to be all right. You men know what it's like. You order your flowers, and you know what time they're going to be delivered, and you wait by the phone waiting on your sweetie to call and say, thank you for my flowers. So I begin to wait. 
on that phone call, I know they was going to be delivered at about 12.30 or 1 o'clock. 1 o'clock comes, 2 o'clock comes, 3 o'clock, 4 o'clock. I know she leaves at 5, so by 4.30 I called the shop. I said, is Becky there? And I heard the owner say, Becky, it's him. I thought, Lord, I've never been... Uh, I've never been greeted that way when I called the shop. And I heard Becky. Now, Becky uh, is a quieter, more sweeter framed person. She doesn't get loud or anything. Uh, But I heard her grab the phone and I could hear her high heels walking quickly to the back room so she could talk to me how she wanted to talk to me. I said, baby, did you get the flowers that I sent you? And there was a long pause on the phone. She said, CT, what kind of a husband sends his wife funeral flowers on Valentine's Day? I said, what do you mean? Oh, yeah, I'm talking about, I'm talking about tripod and all. All these girls, they got roses on their desk, and my wife's got a big old funeral tripod sitting at her desk saying, I love you. Happy Valentine's Day. And my she, you know, I, and I said, what are you talking about? She began to send me pictures. I, I thought, Lord, it's over with. I, but how many of you agree that we don't need to be forgetful when it comes to stuff like that? How is it we can remember to do all of these minor things but forget to do the sweet things and nice things for the people we love the most? We get so busy. We're faithful in our religion. We do everything that we're supposed to do. But yet when it comes to the main thing, we begin to get so forgetful. I promise you, this year, homegirl got... Got the whole rose. I mean, she got all of it. I've learned my lesson. I have already ordered for next year. (laughs) Let me ask you this. When you start to wake up in the mornings, does the Lord in heaven get anxious because he knows you're coming to meet with him? Or does he not even look your way because he knows it's been so long since you come and met with him, he knows you're not coming to fellowship with him. This week, let's make it a practice that we don't forget the Lord. I'm here, but so what? Let's worship the Lord. The Ball brothers are here, but so what? Let's worship the Lord. Let's not get, let's not get, let's not worship revival more than we worship the Redeemer. Let's let Jesus be the main thing this week and not be forgetful. But look lastly in this story. We find that not only were they faithful in their religion and forgetful in their responsibilities, but lastly, we find that they were fruitful in their recovery. Finally, Mary realizes that Jesus is not where they are. So she begins to have to go through the process of cancellation, trying to remember where Jesus is. Y'all want some country boy theology? Probably not. You want to know where Jesus is? Right where you left him. 
And so Mary has to decide, where's Jesus? And she begins to travel back to the place where she left him. Notice this, it took her one day to get away from Jesus, but took her three days to get back to Jesus. But the Bible says that if I'll draw nigh unto God, he'll draw nigh unto me. And as they begin to travel back and go back, they got back to the exact place where they left Jesus. Jesus did not leave them. They left him. And right where they left him, there Jesus was. And we find, first of all, a picture of repentance where Mary said, if I keep traveling this way, I'm never going to find him. But I can turn and travel this way and I can find him. And they got back to the place and there Jesus was. What a wonderful testimony that would be if that was us this week. That this week by Wednesday we could all walk out those back doors having rejoined in fullness our relationship with Jesus Christ. What a testimony that would be if we could join in full harmony in that relationship with Christ. I, this past summer in July, the same week actually as Teen Revolution, the week I met your pastor, we, at my home church that I'm out of in Asheville, North Carolina, we have our big, huge jubilee that week. Preachers from all over come in and singing groups from all over come in. It's a big and busy week and uh, the Saturday before, uh, sound groups were in there setting up their sound systems and I was working in the church getting stuff done left and right and my wife called me. And she said, CT, could you please watch Tucker while me and your mama go to the mall? I said, sure. I said, I'm here. And she brought Tucker to the office. And uh, I had Tucker and my secretary and all her kids were there. I said, Miss Terry, could you help me keep an eye on Tucker? She said, preacher, it's fine. She said, my kids are back there watching TV. He'll be fine. I said, thank you. That's great. And uh, time went on. And my, my little boy is crazy, he's wild, he's active, he's loud, he was tearing up everything I was putting together. Uh, he's a redneck wannabe, just a crazy little boy, uh, just wide open. And I'd heard him running back and forth, and about 20 or 30 minutes goes by, and I haven't heard Tucker at all. I hadn't heard from him. I panicked. I, As a father, I, I began to... Uh, go through the moat trying to find my boy, hollering for him, yelling for him, and uh, couldn't find him nowhere. I went back to the office and found Miss Terry. I said, Miss Terry, have you seen Tucker? She said, Preacher, I thought he came to you. Man, my heart began to panic. I, You know, all the different things in church, from the baptistry to this to that, I, my mind began to run the worst case. We began to look for him and we probably have looked for probably 15 minutes all over that church at this point, And we can't find that little rug rat anywhere. We begin to look for him. We are tearing stuff up, trying to find him behind curtains, all this stuff, and can't find him. I was scared to death. I don't know if I was more afraid that he was missing or what his mama was going to do to me when I told her I lost him. You daddies in the room understand the panic 
that you ensue when one of your babies is missing. It's a funny story now, but it wasn't funny then. All the stories you hear on the news, I remember thinking, man, somebody could have grabbed him up, somebody could have this, somebody could have that. And I'll never forget, I walked over to the side and I was looking under the pews thinking maybe he had fallen asleep under the pews. And through my right ear out the foyer to the side, I heard a cry or a scream from a little boy that I could tell was my boy. I knew and I could distinguish the cry of my son from any cry in this room. I began to run through that foyer, and as I ran through that foyer, it's a very long foyer, and the glass is one-sided. I can see out it, but because of the tent, you can't see back in. And I seen a three-year-old boy. Out those doors was the church playground. And he had ran out those back doors probably 45 minutes prior. Only to turn around and those doors had locked out. And I looked through those glass doors and I see my little boy, his face is red. Tears running down his eyes. He's screaming at the top of his lungs. Pulling on that door. Trying to get back in to that church. Boy. My heart broke when I saw him and I, I ran to where he was and he had already he'd been running from door to door trying to find a door that would let him back in. I'm about done. The piano player, wherever they're at, they can get on the instruments. But I began to look for him and all this stuff and I opened the door and there Tucker was running to the other door. I said, hey! And that little boy turned around and said, and ran to me, jumped up in my arms, grabbed my neck, and held on to me and would not let go. I began to hold on to him, and I, I could tell through his tears he was trying to communicate to me. I said, Tucker, I said, calm down. Talk to Daddy. What's wrong? And I could see as he was having the suck back cry. <laughs> he said, Dad, 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 I'm sorry. Melt your heart in a million pieces. I said, he said, Dad, Dad, I'm so sorry. And I could tell that he was thinking he was in trouble. I said, Tucker, shh. You're not in trouble, boy. He said, but dad, dad, I'm sorry. He said, I'm not one spanking daddy. I could tell he was more concerned that he was in trouble with his father. I grabbed his face. And I held him in my lap. I said, hey, boy. I said, daddy loves you more than anything you'll ever know. I said, you're not in trouble. I said, you're not getting a spanking. I said, Daddy loves you. Daddy's just glad that I got you back in my arms. I said, everything's all right. And you could see it click in his eyes when he understood that there was therefore now no condemnation to little Tucker. He looked up at me and said, Dad, Dad, I love you. 
threw his arms around me. And I went and sat on the front pew. And it wasn't no time at all. Little Tucker's just asleep in my arms. I sat down on that pew. And the Holy Spirit. Hey, son. Do you remember when that was you? Remember when you ran from my presence and thought you was just going to have fun for a little while? You thought it wasn't going to mean no difference, but you began to run from my presence thinking everything was all right, only for the doors and the circumstances of life to lock you out? There are people in this room, you won't admit it, but you know what it's like to secretly pray and say, God, if you could just let things be the way they used to be. Lord, I never intended to mess things up like this. I never intended to mess things up. Lord, if you could please just let me get back to where I used to be. I remember running from the presence of God. In my heart, I ran from the things of God because I thought when I came back, God was going to be mad at me. But that is a false picture of the love of God. What I found when I came home, running after my party life and all my dreams and everything I was going to be, I found a God that had arms wide open. And just like little Tucker, I ran into the arms of God on an old-fashioned altar. I said, Lord, I'm sorry. Lord, please don't chastise me too hard. Lord, I'm sorry. You know what I found? I found a God saying, shh, you're all right. I'm just glad I got you back in my arms. If I love Tucker the way I love Tucker, God loves you and I way more than we can ever conceive. There may be people in this room, you've wandered out that door. You've misplaced Jesus. You've walked away from that relationship. And you wonder, will will things ever be the same again? One trip to this altar. Crying out to God. Asking God to forgive you could change your entire life it did mine one trip to the altar saying Lord I'm sorry and God can hear your cry there are people in this room it doesn't mean that you're in deep sin doesn't mean that you're backslidden but you've just wavered is a good word you've wavered in your relationship with the Lord And this week in revival, God has set this thing up where by Wednesday, you can be walking hand in hand with the Lord. And you can thrive again. You can grow again. You can experience the joy of the Lord again.